This podcast is brought to you by Arrow and NetApp in collaboration with Exigent and produced by GovExec Studio 2G. Exigent Solutions is your agency's trusted partner for IT strategy consulting with fully managed IT services and certified technology experts. To learn more about how Exigent can help your state or locality lay the groundwork for successful cloud adoption, visit exigentsolutions.com. It's year three of the pandemic, and state and local governments have learned a thing or two about how to handle intense pressure while continuing to deliver citizen services. Although we are at the tail end of the crisis, these localities still face tough hurdles as they navigate a new reality. Adjusting to hybrid workforces and delivering more innovative and effective digital services require agencies to think strategically about how to adopt secure, effective technology. But with technology fast evolving, what should they prioritize? How can they ensure they're adopting the right tools at the right time? And whom can they partner with to do so best? I'm your host, Camille Tooty, and here to talk about all this is Michael Kedick. He's the Vice President of Product Management at Exigent Solutions, an IT consulting partner for organizations embarking on an IT improvement journey to achieve business goals via a results-driven IT approach. We'll discuss insights into the current SLED market from an IT perspective, the challenges the public sector is facing and how local and state governments can strategically adopt technology to arm themselves for the future. Thank you, Michael, for being here today. Awesome to be here. Can you start by giving us some insight into the current SLED market? Well, from an IT perspective, certainly the public sector is working diligently to provide an innovative digital government that works for everyone. And when talking about this, I always include three major areas I see every day, and that's promoting a culture of connectivity and also a cultural transformation, improving the value of public services, and then certainly working to improve the security of public data. And if I break into each one of those, the first one being promoting a culture of connectivity and cultural transformation, it really involves breaking down silos and finding a way to work together. And this has many downstream implications for the ability to have shared services. Certainly cloud computing comes into play there, data management, common access, security, all of those things have to be thought about, planned, and implemented to promote that culture of connectivity. And around the area of public services and improving those, specifically, obviously, all of the states that I work with are looking to drive efficiency as stewards of our public funds. And this means simplifying and consolidating, maybe some process reengineering, project management, et cetera. And obviously, finding ways to be a better partner, working with outside leaders to drive improvement and leveraging their unique skills and capabilities, because you may not have them within your oversight, better data-driven decision-making. That can happen in a lot of different ways, but it's all about improved data management and ultimately, probably AI, some artificial intelligence and some good old-fashioned analysis. As an old guy, trust me, I appreciate pen and paper at times. 
But again, it's all about improving that data management. And then, of course, the security, they absolutely must create and drive a really good, high-quality information security program. The pandemic really was a game changer, but how have the needs shifted from before COVID? The initiatives that I've seen great strides and everybody working towards include improving information access, certainly providing public access to information and systems in the easiest of manner, because it's not just millennials that are using online services all ages are. And obviously the ability to leverage emerging technologies to improve service. Those come fast, furious. The area that I see the most traction in involves automation and simplification, streamlining how constituents interact with government services and operations. Government has done a great job of leveraging something in the industry we refer to as platform as a service and cloud-based applications for their day-to-day requirements. That would include things like tax applications, property descriptions, fingerprinting applications, body cam applications. As somebody who is definitely not a millennial, I have seen how this has transformed from the time I was in my 20s to 30s to 40s and later when all of this was done with paper. And today we see very minimal paper or uh, certainly striving towards even less paper. So most of these examples that I talk about, of course, are cloud-based, whether that's a public cloud or a private cloud, but they've transformed from paper to online systems to now actual platforms dedicated for an exact cause and probably moving the storage for that as opposed to being on-prem many times being off-premise. And with that data being off-premise, great. I don't have to worry about breaking into my network to get it, but I still got to worry about a network. And whether that's cloud or not, it goes back to what I stated earlier in the area of securing the data. But pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, certainly the number one thing is the transformation of an online experience as opposed to in-person. And you mentioned streamlining and automation. Where do you see that picking up even more in terms of how state and local governments are implementing those two? It really comes down to truly understanding what the outcome and outcome can be an overused term especially around IT these days. So many people are talking about IT delivering actual business outcomes or government outcomes in the case that we're talking about here. But what that really means is that there's incredible alignment between the IT staff or staffs and the actual organization or entity or business or government that we're talking about here, whether that's state, local, or even at the university level. Where I see the most success is when the business, as I call it, is setting the direction and setting the focus and then allowing the IT teams to buy into that and ultimately utilizing that as their goal and bringing in systems, ideas, processes that all 
back that and support that initiative. It's when it's done in reverse that I see the most issues where IT believes they understand what the business needs and IT brings ideas forward. And a lot of times there isn't alignment. What makes sense to a guy sitting in the IT department versus somebody sitting in the financial department? As the public sector faces a whirlwind of change, what are some other focus areas that government IT leaders should have in terms of serving their constituents and meeting the mission? The primary challenge, without a doubt, is continuing to be attracting and ultimately retaining good quality talent. That's not just a public sector issue. It's a private sector issue also, but it really, really affects the public sector in a lot of ways more than it does the private sector. And that's because the private sector can prioritize and many times be able to open up the wallet a little bit more than the public sector can. What I tell the public sector to do is to think about it in a different way. Instead of thinking about, I need 10 FTEs, think about what the actual business need that you think you need those FTEs for, and instead leverage outside entities to bring those talents to you. There are things called managed service providers. There are consulting companies. There's an entire segment of the IT industry that is totally focused on the public sector. And I really highly recommend leverage those whenever possible. The other thing is, is that vendors can bring in skills and experience from the private sector and also bring a complete solution. I talked earlier about the beauty of automation and simplification because of being able to subscribe to a service as a platform and to get exactly what I need. I didn't need to hire developers to write it. I don't need to hire internal staff to support it and keep it updated. I am simply using a platform that was created for my consumption. But the other thing that vendors can do is to help align that IT strategy with the actual business requirements and needs. A lot of times, again, IT believes they need to come to the table with solutions to problems that may or may not exist. Just because you may have a C in front of your name, if you're a CFO versus a CIO, if they're not aligned and delivering what ultimately the CEO has set for the vision, those two areas can go in absolute opposite directions with obviously terrible results. But when a direction is set and the financing side and the IT side are absolutely in lockstep with what do we need to accomplish to bring this capability forward? That's when the business requirements are met. And obviously, I use the phrase, life is good. You're on the right path. Things like help desk and end user support activities. Those were the first things that we saw in the industry that tended to get outsourced, which to me, again, I don't understand. Why would you take jobs that can be fairly easily trained, that are more readily available because they're not overly specialized? I can take a person that obviously has the aptitude to learn, and I can provide a really, really good training that probably already exists within the organization 
organization and elevate that person to be able to do those items. So instead of outsourcing the day-to-day things like so many have had, I mean, I suggest outsourcing the strategy work and bringing those departments together, developing a plan, writing a plan, helping execute that plan. What soft skills and hard skills do you think will be most valuable for the vendor community to strengthen to best help this led market? I suggest to them to obviously work with several outside partners and don't necessarily come to the partners with, I need all of these problems solved. Do some prioritization what's most important. You want to disclose everything you're looking to do, but come with a prioritized list and then work with that outside agency to say, this is what I need to accomplish. I need to understand from you, from soup to nuts, what are all of the necessary skills I need to have internally? What skills are you going to bring to the table? And let's work together to write a plan that will accomplish this. And by doing that, You've eliminated the need that exists so often where I need to become an expert in a particular technology in order to provide value to my agency or my organization, where if I'm working with an outside partner that's already an expert in the technology itself, I can focus on what's really important, which is whatever my goal or objective may be. Today, there may not be any code whatsoever to write, or if it is, it's very minimal because the application that you're looking for very well may be being used by seven or eight other states. So using the network of other public agencies and obviously tapping them for information, tapping outside resources, consulting companies, et cetera, you can just get from point A to point Z much, much quicker than you could if you tried to do it all in-house and only with in-house talent. If we look at the near future or even a couple of years ahead, what do you think will be the key technologies driving SLED innovation? That's an interesting question and one that, quite frankly, I have to ponder frequently And that is, it's really not what I would say an underlying technology that I would recommend adopting. It is more of an an approach. And those approaches I alluded to a little earlier, and that is, how can I get what I need from an IT perspective without going immediately to, we need to write this in-house? Obviously, public cloud, private cloud, or even traditional on-premise data center. It doesn't matter which one of those three directions you decide to go down for an underlying technology. Going down any of those three paths are fine, quite frankly, fine. You pick it. But what really matters is why. Why are you going to go public cloud? Why are you going to go private cloud? Why no cloud at all? If you can't answer the why question and you're just because you read it in a magazine or you attended a trade show that said everything's going to the cloud and that's where I'm heading, trust me, we've seen plenty of organizations that have gone to the cloud, realized that it wasn't good for them 
And they obviously migrated back and lost a year or two of innovation because of that journey. Don't fall into the trap of doing what the neighboring state did. First, understand why the neighboring state did what they did and see, does that make sense for you? That's such great advice. Don't do what your neighboring state is doing before you have figured out why and have actually a plan behind it all. Michael, thank you so much for your insight. That's all the time we have for today. Well, it has been my pleasure, Camille. Thank you so much for allowing me to share some insight. And thanks to all our listeners of this podcast. For more information about how Exigent Solutions can help your state or local government successfully adopt digital transformation, visit ExigentSolutions.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Migrating to the Citizen-Focused Secure Cloud Podcast, brought to you by Arrow and NetApp. To learn more about how Exigent can help your state or locality lay the groundwork for successful cloud adoption, visit ExigentSolutions.com.